Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. I'm going to turn it over shortly to my session with Trent here from Barstool Sports, but want to have a quick note. I apologize for the lack of quality in the audio. I've had a lot of technical difficulties recording the podcast lately. I need, uh, if anyone has any advice on how to record a call on Skype for podcast quality, I'm all ears. But again, apologies for the audio of the of the recording. It does, it comes and goes throughout it. It gets better, it gets worse, but uh, tune in. I promise it's still worth your time. Thanks for listening. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast for the first time on the show. He's my friend Trent. He's your friend Trent. On known as Twitter at Known on Twitter as Barstool Trent. Trent, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. It's good to uh, it's good to finally do this. We've been talking about it for a while. Uh, I mean, this isn't a video podcast, but it's good to put a face to that no laying up Twitter handle. So I'm excited to be here. I really am. This is, this is a treat. Yeah, it's funny how you can kind of almost get to know somebody through Twitter, never talk to them officially, never talk to them outside of DMs. And then, like, I, I think I watched your video uh, when you went to the Iowa-Michigan State game, and I realized, like, I'd never seen you before. I had no idea what you looked like, who you were. And, uh, I was yeah. cracking up by that. But uh, so yeah, you're, you're not shy on Twitter about being from Iowa and a huge Iowa fan. So what uh, are you, have you recovered from what happened in the uh, championship game? A little bit. We're, we're further away from it now. Uh, college football came to an end last night. Um, it still hurts. Uh, I mean, we, we got murdered in the, in the Rose Bowl, so that didn't help at all. Uh, Iowa basketball is now ranked. They've had a couple of big wins recently, so that takes this thing away a little bit. But after going 12-0, and and even even we weren't sure if the team was all that great, but it would have been fun to beat Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game, which I was at, like you said, which was a great time, minus the loss. Um, and it would have been cool to see them go to the playoff. But this thing is, we're further away from it now. Basketball's rolling. I think we're I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. Were you mostly hoping to win um, just out of your Iowa fandom or more just to shut the kid up that was sitting next to you during the game? Oh, my God. Dude, he, he was he was on me. Like, we put a bunch in the video, but it was even worse than that. He was all over me. His, his mom was right next to him. She didn't care. She, he just, she just let it happen. But I think I honestly would rather have, like, talked shit in the face of the kid than just, like, that would have been better than the win itself. He's like he was at that age where he just doesn't fully get it yet. I don't think, and that like it, I was probably like that up to about maybe even two years ago. So I understand it. Yeah. So he just he has no idea how to be a respectable fan, just taunting you every first down. I'm sure a lot. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but laugh, and I felt your pain at the exact same time. I'm, I'm, I'm I think you deserve a medal for not having punched him. Well, the little part of it is so I've got a guy there with me. He's obviously got a video camera, so I don't know if the kid was playing it up or not. So I'm expecting at the end of the game. Him and I are going to shake hands, whatever. We've been talking smack all game. Game's over. Kid just bolts. He's out of there. He's so, he knew better. He's, he knew what he was doing. He didn't apologize, and that's that's fine. It, it, it hurt, but we're getting past it. He knew Uncle Trent had been drinking, and he did not want to feel the wrath of that. Of that uh, yeah, it, yeah, it had been a long day. Right, let's talk a little bit about um, for those that aren't familiar uh, with you, what you do. You you work for Bar, you're a writer for Bar, Barstool Sports. Talk a bit about how you got involved with Barstool, what Barstool really is, because even I don't know really much of the background about it. Okay, well for me personally, it actually connects to the Iowa thing. So 
I started my own blog. I've been with Barstool two years now. So a couple of years ago, I started my own blog called Flyover Sports. It was all, it was in the same Barstool vein. We just, it's just kind of like everything that happens on the internet, pop culture, sports, girls, that's what we do. So I did that, but I did it all towards Iowa. I did it specifically Iowa. Um, so I did that for a while. And then I don't know if you know who Fran McCaffrey is. He's the head coach at, all right, he's the head coach of the Iowa basketball team. And he sort of turned the program around the last, last four, five, six years. And he's got this red face that he makes when he gets mad at the refs. So he yells at the refs. He throws stuff. He's, he's, a, he's an animated character. So I made these shirts with his face on them called Fran Face Shirts. <laughs> Put them up on my Iowa-specific blog. Sold a shit ton of them. Did really, really well with them. And I ended up getting a cease and desist letter from the University of Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Saying, of course, right? It's a dream. Like, it's a dream to get a cease and desist letter. <laughs> yeah, they don't like when you have, either way that I took it, they don't like when you have a better idea that you make money <laughs> off of it. So you get a cease and desist letter and saying you can't make money. Because we made a point not to put Iowa or Hawkeyes on it because we knew something was going to come back on us. So when we got the letter, it was from Fran, quote unquote, saying that you can't make money off my likeness. Shut it down. I don't have lawyers. I really can't do anything about it. So I emailed Barstool Sports. And because they have shirts, or we, we have shirts that have like people's faces on, blah, blah, blah. I figured they had dealt with the same situation. I asked them, what do I do about this? And they hit me back. Dave Portnoy, the guy who runs it, my boss, he said, take the shirts down. You're so small that you can't fight illegally, but we like the blog. Let's try you out on a trial period with us. So that started the conversation with me and him. And it just kind of kind of took off from there where I got it to be full-time with them. And then how did you get, I guess, uh, are you, were you a golf? You talk about golf a lot. You write about golf. You're always tweeting about golf. Were you a golf fan growing up? Or how did you end up in that realm uh, for Barstool? Yeah, I've always just been a, uh, a golf fan. I grew up, my dad loves golf. My mom loves golf. Grew up around it. Uh, played it a bunch. Watched it on TV a bunch. And as far as getting having it at Barstool, it's a self-appointed, I'm the self-appointed Barstool golf guy because <laughs> nobody else... I got there. Nobody had it. I watched it. I thought maybe this would be a cool thing. And to be totally honest, I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know if people were interested in like live tweeting tournaments or blogs all about it. But it is. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen it now, too, because you do the same thing that I do. Tweeting about it goes over like gangbusters. People love it. People mm-hmm. do it, too. So that's sort of how I got into Barcelona. But I've always been, been a golf fan my entire life and playing it and watching it forever. Yeah, golf Twitter is kind of interesting. It's um, it's kind of like this own little own niche of the internet, really. It's hard to, I think you do a great job of it as, as far as crossing over to other stuff as well. But sometimes I feel like when I cross over to anything else other than golf, I just get absolutely cricket, absolute cricket on there. Or, it, it, it's very difficult to kind of, me, uh, I don't know, mesh pop culture. Like I was making a few making a murder references uh, on Twitter. People are like, what are you talking about? And uh, it, you're not gonna. You're never gonna get through to everybody, but it can. And I know, it can I, we're gonna talk about this a little bit later. I think with making a murder, but if yeah. people if people aren't getting your making a murder jokes, then they're everybody's watched it. Like everybody. That's their so. fault. Yeah, that's their fault. We are gonna talk about it later. We're gonna end the podcast with it. So in case anyone that hasn't watched it, um, we you're not gonna get, worry about any spoilers or anything like that. And then you had you had asked about uh, how Barcelona General got started. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I want to hear about that. Well, started by David Portnoy, who is still he started it. 2003, I think, in Boston. It's That's where it's headquartered right now. Uh, he started as an actual newspaper, like a gambling newspaper, kind of driving around town, putting it in newspaper racks. As it gets further along, the internet, you know, the internet happens. That's an easier way to reach people. I forget even when he got it onto the internet, when he actually got a web page. It was a few years ago. Once I started doing well, he 
started bringing in more cities, started with New York and Philly, and then eventually Chicago and all that. So it's really, he started it himself in 2003 and just has really built it up to what it is now. That's that's really the story of it. I guess I only got familiar familiar with it through uh, through following you and whatnot. But uh, it looks like I, I, do you have like a, a weekly thing you do there, or any 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 frequency off? Like, you keep a frequent basis, or just kind of go and stuff whenever you get when you get your It's all it's yeah. I'm full time. I'm every day. Yeah. So we're doing like I have to do. It's about a blog an hour from like for like a nine to five thing. So it's it's constant constant putting up. It's not always golf. It's I mean. Now we're getting more into the golf where I'm posting more golf blogs, but it can be anything that's going on in the internet. That's kind of our thing. We, we cover the internet. I think you were the uh, the inventor. It, it, if I can credit you of the hashtag, what is this, your, the speed hashtag that you have trademarked? Uh, hashtag uh, snapping necks yeah, snap and, and cash and checks. And you called him winning the Masters last year before it even happened. Is yeah. Speed your guy? Speed is my guy right now. I think overall Rory is my guy. I really like Rory, but Speed, I, you could just see it. You could see it coming. The Masters, I, I really felt that it was coming. That snap and next cash and checks. He's never once said that. That's not. That's <laughs> he not. Hasn't? <laughs> that sounds exactly like something he would say. I really, I really want him to say it, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't know I exist, so that's <laughs> fine. But he, no, he has never said it. But I, it really helped that I called. He was going to win it, which some people were like, "Oh, oh of course he's going to win it." I called it. I did that hashtag, and that kind of helped to get a little traction. But yeah, he is, and he's obviously the guy now. He just got his first one in 2016. It could be even bigger than 2015. Who knows? Um, but he's my guy right now. Rory, I need him to get back. He's probably my favorite golfer of this of this young core. But to, to deny what Spieth is doing, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Well, don't let anyone call you a front runner. Spieth's your guy now, and you're waiting for Rory to get back into it. Don't let anyone. Oh, the, for, I mean, for the long, I'm the biggest tiger defender that you're ever going to be. <laughs> Like people were kind of rolling their eyes at you predicting uh, speed to win the Masters, but it, it, you look back now, or I guess it's hard to look back and remember what it was like leading up to the Masters for him because this it wasn't the Jordan Speed we currently know yet. We were still waiting for the full breakthrough. Valspar he did win, but we hadn't seen full speed yet. He had the huge off season, I guess you could call it last year. He won the Hero and won the Australian Open, but I mean uh, that's that. Was, I mean I think he was one of the top two favorites to win the Masters, but it wasn't sure. like this. He, he, he lapped the field pretty much, but that was not like an easy call by any means. Right, looking back at it now, he's coming off a year where he had a real chance to win the Grand Slam. He won two majors, five tournaments. He's, I just saw a report that he made $53 million. So, I mean, yeah, I can say now, but yeah, at the time it was, but like you're saying, he was one of the favorites. But you could see it coming. It was like almost like a wave, just that, that speed wave coming around that was going to crash eventually. He murdered the field at Augusta. That was a thing of beauty. Well, it's kind of it, it, and I was watching a little. The, they had his highlights on recently on the Golf Channel, and uh, he he won that thing by Friday. I wasn't sweating it at all Saturday and Sunday, um, but I remember I forget who tweeted the stat though. Um, if you look at all of these scores from round, or I think it was from the last like forty five holes. So take the back nine Friday and all the all the weekend rounds. Like if you've just taken the score from that, Rory would have won the Masters. Like he just got really? off to such a slow start. Um, and Spieth just kind of went on cruise control. I think he was what, 14 under through two rounds or 12 under through two rounds or something. Um, and he kind of went on cruise control and won it, but Rory just started himself too far back and couldn't, couldn't. But so that, that kind of excited me. That's kind of like, I mean, you tend to look back at the results from a tournament from the year before. And Rory never threatened to win that thing last year, but 
that kind of makes me think like, wow, it's just, it's timing. It's more timing than almost anything. But you're right, because before you had said that, I would have had no idea. It's interesting. To, I mean, like you said, you look at results, it's all speed. He won that Masters outright. It was done by Freddie. You're absolutely right. But then you look back a little bit, you say Roy might have would have won. Tiger was in those uh, final groups kind of until he snapped a bone and, and something. And, Performed <laughs> surgery on himself in the middle of the golf course. Right, right. He's a, he's a, he's a man. I can't do a podcast without that coming up. I cannot. Every single one, the bone popping out of his wrist comes up. I'm not the one that brings it up. I swear. It's incredible because and I, I remember the interview afterwards. They're like, what, what happened to you out there? And they're expecting like, oh, I'm fine, whatever. And he's like, I snapped a fucking bone back into my, my arm. I don't even know what it was. But it was just casual about it. He's like, yeah, the bone popped out, but I just put it right back in. That like, was the thing. It was so casual. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So yeah, you look back on those tournaments, you see results, he's won it all, but there were some guys up there for sure. The issue, how, how does Rinaldi not have a follow-up question to that? How, how do you, how, if somebody breaks a bone in their body or pops a bone out, how do you not have a follow-up question to that? How do you let that go? Back to Nance. No, like, Rinaldi's one of the best, best I like Rinaldi. Oh, I'm not a Rinaldi fan. I'm not a, I'm not a Rinaldi guy, because it seems to me like he's just trying to make you cry at all times. Yes. 100%. Every time he comes on, he does. I think he does the college game day once too, where it's like as soon as you hear his voice, it's like, all right, break up the Kleenex because he just has that effect on people. He's just incapable of asking like how something feels. You know, you hit this shot into eighteen as a hundred and seventy-five yard draw right into the flag. What did that feel like? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a Ronaldo fan. I, I, I right. understand why people don't like it. That's, for, that's our first disagreement. I think we're going to have one more disagreement at least later on, but. I want to get your all right. So if you predicted speed to win the Masters last year, I want to hear your full. I want to hear all four majors. I don't care how much thought you have to put into it. Who your who your winners are of the majors this year? I definitely just put you on the spot, but I, yeah, I definitely haven't even thought about it. Um, all right, do we just want to go in order? Or? You can do whatever you want. Let's. I think order makes the most sense. So Masters in April, Augusta. This is the. I can see, see speed repeating. Okay. I can see him coming back repeating. Um, I don't see why not. Like that's the thing. Right now he is. Hot, like yeah. way hot. So he knows that course. He obviously can play there really well. I think he comes back and, and does a repeat. Um, uh, that's mine as well. I think uh, for me, picking that had a lot more to do with him finishing second the year before than it did necessarily him winning last year. I think inherently results are really hard to repeat, but finishing second then first in the manner that he did kind of makes me think that this really could be a course where that he's specifically set up to succeed on. So I'm, I actually he. He's the one I call it in my in my mailbag. Speed to win the Masters, so we're on the same page. All right. Um, let's, okay. U.S. Open is at Oakmont in June. And I haven't even looked at it. Yeah. So these are going to be complete shots in the dark. I'll say this: Dustin Johnson's going to run into one. <laughs> that's not, that's my pick for the U.S. Open. Are you serious? Yeah. You could go see it. I think it's December mailbag. I have it on the site. Those are my first two picks. And I'm not even saying that it's going to be the U.S. Open. Right. He's the, he's the kind of guy who, honestly, on talent alone, can win, at least seemingly to me, in multiple majors. Like, he's just he's just got it. He's come close a couple of times, and we know that they have been complete disasters, like last year at Chambers Bay. But he's one of those guys, and I, yeah, maybe the U.S. Open this year, but he's one of those guys who, if he can overpower a course, he's talented, he seemingly has forgotten about all of his failures the second after they happen. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you see that story about how after the Chambers Bay massacre, I guess we can call it, the next day or the next couple of days, Wayne Gretzky went out with a couple of buddies to play golf. 
And Dustin was like, yeah, let's go play. Okay. I feel totally normal. I like, honestly just think he is of a different breed from all of these guys. And I think I, I mean that almost in the worst but best way in that I made this point before that, um, you know, I don't know what Dustin's actual intelligence is. A lot of people like to assume that he's not very smart. I don't think that's necessarily fair, but I think there's a little bit of evidence there. So but I think he makes that work in his benefit in that he, totally. he doesn't get in his own head. And, man, if there's ever a guy I didn't feel that bad for missing that putt on 18, it was DJ because I was just like, I feel like he has the mental fortitude or lack thereof to be able to handle something like that. Where if that was me, I'd still be in tears on that 18th green. Like, Absolutely. I would, I would have, that would have crushed me. That would have ruined my life. But. I get what you're saying, though. There's a line there that people are, uh, I know I see you're trying to straddle, where it's like, I don't, you don't want to call him dumb because mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's dumb, but it's, but I guarantee there's some athletes out there that wish they could have a short-term, a short-term memory like that. Like he has to completely forget a disaster like Cameron's Bay and then, was he, that, the, uh, the Open Championship was such a such a mess, but at the end, he was dominating that course for, I can't remember because the rounds were cut up because there were so many delays. Yeah. It felt like it was his for a little bit. But 36 holes. He was the leader after 36 holes, I think, and then then, then uh, it did not go well in the weekend at all for him. But, um, I mean, I'm, I, that, that again, that just doesn't, I, some people might think that that scar tissue built up for him, but I just don't buy that at all. I think he, he has to break through at some point. I don't think he choked on the 18th green at Chambers Bay. I think he kind of got screwed a little bit by the greens like everyone did. The timing just didn't really work out for him. So I think it was a little bit of a choke, but... Well, I, he, he just went for that eagle putt so hard. You know, he mm-hmm. went for that putt. He wanted to make that. He didn't care about the comeback. He probably wasn't even thinking about the comebacker. Um, I just don't think that putt on, on that second, that birdie putt was a choke. I don't think he pulled it that bad. I think it just... It's hard to predict when you're putting on greens like that which direction the ball is going to come off on. I know... A lot of people gave me a hard time because I was warning a lot about the greens and a lot of the players were. But I, if, you, oh. if you putt on uneven greens, you, you just can't. You can hit a perfect putt and it starts on the complete wrong line. And that's not a player's fault. I just don't think. I didn't want to come to come down to that moment and it did. And I hated it. I hated them for it. I don't ever see people coming at you about the Chambers Bay greens. Did they see them? As soon as the telecast yeah. started, you can see it's like these are. There's even one putt. I forget who it was. I remember finding it. They putt and it hits. Uh, it hits a little green. Yeah. Like you expected you guys to put very well when you got shitty greens like that. Well, I think the point is everyone's got to play them, so why does it matter? And I get that a little bit, but it's just like I don't know. You just don't want it to come. I don't want it to come down to that. I, and it's kind of the same way. I, I don't get to watch a lot of NFL anymore, but the new extra point rule. I think it's stupid. I don't understand it at all. Like, and why do we want to make the uh, make a football game potentially come down to an extra point or like look look at like. Had that be a deciding factor? I just, I just, I don't know. That's not the way I want to see games decided. I see, I see it both ways. I see it, I see it that way. But then I also see it. I think what they did is they went back and looked at the history of PATs. And when you're over a certain amount, when kickers have made all kickers over all time have made like ninety eight percent of something, it almost seems like it's not even. There's no point in doing it unless there's a challenge. Right, but I think strategically it makes a lot more sense um, in that. Here, here's the thing: you score a touchdown, you have six points, you can take the free point. All right, let's let's call it free. Let's assume it's 100. percent You can take the free point, or you can gamble almost 50-50 that you'll get the two point conversion. Right? That's kind of a that's kind of a cool dynamic. If okay. if the extra point really made you think about, really consider going for two more off, I don't think a lot of teams really did that this year. They were hoping probably for it, but I don't think that really affects the strategy of it at all. It it just kind of affects the the I, like what happened to Blair Walsh. It was not an extra point, but like I. You don't ever want a game to come to that. Like I don't. You wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. I'm sorry. No, you would, but it's, it's, I get like a little bit of pleasure out of it. 
after watching something like that happen. <laughs> I mean, the reaction video going off on the NFL thing now, but those Vikings reaction videos, we posted a couple of Barstool. People, just these Minnesota people living, and I'm living in this weather right now because I'm right by Minnesota, where it's negative 20 degree wind chill. You're living and dying with your Vikings, and he misses a chip shot. Oh, it's, uh-uh. But I, I get your point. I see, like, if it didn't push more people to go for two, which you're right, I haven't seen it, it do that. It's just, it's just been giving us weird-looking scores when I, when I, when a kicker misses one or two. Of them. Yeah. So yeah, but I just don't understand their strategy and wanting to make kicking more important. But yeah, that's, anyways, that's a completely different subject. So let's <laughs> getting back to uh, all right. So we have Speed at the Masters, DJ at the U.S. Open, British Open this year is at Royal Troon. Who you right. got? I bet you're going to probably pick the same guy I picked. I bet. We're going to go four for four. Um, let's say, oh, let's let's say this is Rory's. <laughs> three for three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you reading my mailbag right now? You have it up on your no. screen? <laughs> I have not. I swear I'm not. All right. No, it's, again, I haven't, I haven't looked at the forums. I haven't thought about it all that much. I haven't really either. I'm not that familiar with Troon, but I think uh, Rory, I, it's, it, the, I, Include on the last three majors, all of them are like guys that I think are going to win majors this year. I couldn't couldn't pick which way I wanted to shuffle them. Um, so I don't have a specific reason why I would take Rory at, at the British over any of the other majors, but I think he's going to win one. It's a decent fit. I mean, well, it's exactly what you said. I don't I don't know if these guys are going to win these exact majors, but it feels like these are the guys, and they are the guys kind of circling it. And Rory's the most talented player on the planet. I mean, Spieth is, is fine. He, he's He's obviously great. But he's not he's the most fine. Guy. I, when I said fine, I, I immediately regretted that. I, that's like uh, that's like Kurt Menefee being like, he's not, he's not, he doesn't do anything that great, you know. He's not my face, Kurt. But okay, well, no, Rory is another one of those guys. I mean, he'll probably probably get up for the Open Championship, and this, this, you know, because fast back. I don't. Well, I feel like a lot of people have the opinion, and I'm, I don't necessarily disagree, but people say Rory's A game is better than anyone's A game, but. Maybe and maybe Capilillo is not like the best look into a, a actual test for a player or a challenge. But I'm sorry, did you see anyone that could have beat what what Cap what Speed just did? That was Speed's A game, I'd say. Capilillo, did, yep. did you see anyone that could have beat that? Even Rory at his best, like I think that's like ten out of ten. I think it, it's as good as you could have hoped somebody like Rory could have played there. But I don't think necessarily like Rory has this gear that Speed doesn't have. I think that's right. And this last tournament. The way that he won, eight strokes, 30 under, and it really didn't even look like he broke a sweat to me. It didn't look like he played that well. It was kind of, he missed like a lot of little, like, kind of shortish putts. And like, yeah, and then you see it's like 64, 65, 66. It's like, yeah, I guess that's probably true. I mean, A game Rory, A game speed. I mean, I would love to watch that duel. I really yeah. would. That's what I feel like, as good as 2015 was, speed, Rory, and Day. We never really got them all really going head to head. Speed day at the PGA, but it wasn't that close. Speed or day kind of kept them at bay pretty much the whole day. Um, it, oh god, if we get this let me, this year. Let me run. Let me run some of the past. Yeah. So I've been thinking about Rory uh, and how he interacts with the media. Do you think that he? And this is going to. I don't want this to come off that he doesn't care about golf, but I feel like he's one of the guys who, despite some of the things he said, that he like Speed. I look at him and I see like a, a psycho killer. I see him like wanting to slit throats and be fueled by eight strokes on the first tournament of the year. But then I remember when Rory came back from his ankle surgery, or he was coming back, and some reporter asked him, how much did you miss the game of golf? And you're expecting somebody to say, oh my God, 
this is my life. It encapsulates me. I couldn't even watch golf because I wanted to play so bad. Rory says, I actually didn't miss it as much as I thought I was going to. And then Rory says, he doesn't care about winning the Tour Championship because he doesn't need the money anymore. Yeah. What do you, I see, I love Rory. Those yeah. are, I actually, that's kind of one of the reasons I really like him. Kind of humanizes him. He's not saying canned answers that he knows the media are going to pick up on. But I feel like it, both of those things that I said rub the media, the normal media, the wrong way. I just wonder how you feel about that. No, I, I totally agree in that um, I, I think Rory is like one of the most candid, best interviews in the game when he's feeling on his game. I think he hurts himself at times, which he should, the way the media speaks sometimes. But I, I, people have, it's, it's not the first time really his desire level has come into question. And uh, he, I mean, it's mostly based on comments that he's said. He even says like, um, and I don't have the quotes in front of me, I don't know them exactly, but something about when he won two, the last two majors last year is his motivation level just kind of dipped and he he's not really I think he kind of needs that like what what Spieth and Day did last year I've heard some similar quotes from him saying how much that motivated him and that got me motivated like hearing that was like holy shit if we get the full Rory back in the mix this year this yeah. is going to be absolutely but and you, I think it's a fantastic question and I, I if I ever get the chance to speak to Rory I want to specifically ask him about that and say it's been floated out there that people question your motivation at times, and you have even referred to it a lot. Is this does your motivation dip? I think the answer to that question is going to be truthfully yes. I mean, even even somebody like Tiger back in his prime, if you read, I don't know if you've ever read Hank Haney's book, but he talked about like just being done for the game. And I'm not necessarily if that had to do with his success, but you know, going into the Navy SEALs and something like that. Like once you kind of kind of it's something you and I can't relate to until we get to the very top of the blogging game, like. Uh, <laughs> Like we can't relate to just being the best and not being able to be beat and feeling a sense of accomplishment and being done with that. It's something like, nobody. Like a feeling of content. Yeah, like nobody can really relate to that. I don't think ever. So um, I don't know. I I, I think uh, it. I think Rory is the first one. But every time I feel like Rory always snaps out of it. He goes to these little dips where he, and he just he's like, all right, now I'm back out. Like it happened last year after Speed won the Masters. He went out, won the Wells Fargo, won the match play, and it was like, all right. Speed, you had your run. I'm back now. And then he right. rolls his ankle. Like it was just, it was really frustrating. That's another thing. Rolling the ankle, just he's just kind of want to do another stuff. Like you said, if you ever get the chance to ask him that question, you do. And, he, and the good thing about Rory, and this is kind of the whole point, is that most players would be like, that's like a disrespectful question, and you know, like they'll snap your head off. But I think Rory would actually be thoughtful and would answer it. So I, it's it's something that I've been thinking about, and I think it's interesting. No, he's referred to it too. So I think it's a, definitely a fair question. I mean. Uh, I think for this coming year, I think we're going to see see old school four or five win Rory. Um, and so somebody asked me the question: Do I think Spieth, Day, Rory, Ricky combined win more events this year than the rest of the entire PGA Tour? I kind of scoffed at the question at first, like, "Come on, no way!" But I think if you if you fact if you if you talk about the tournaments where all four of them are playing. I would say they probably will, don't you think? Probably, yes. Yeah. I would think so. Oh, God. And I've seen the same quotes that you have, where Rory is now saying that watching Spieth and Day, their emergence as, you know, everybody's talking about winning all the tournaments, yeah, that gets me fired up too. Because yeah. I do think he needs something to rail against. Like, yeah. He needs something to get him going. Yeah. And this this is a perfect situation. Yep. Yeah. It's easy to forget, too, that he's a four-time major winner at age 26, 27 or so. Like. <laughs> Four majors is a lot. I mean, it really is, and it's it's uh, man. It's a short list. Four majors is a short list. It really is, um, and definitely active players. It's a, it's a very short list. So, 
Um, and he's got so, he got 15 good healthy years in front of him. Assuming he doesn't go full Tiger on us. So. Totally. God, we are just strapped in for the best run of non Tiger run of golf. That and, I know. As much as I I I beat the Tiger drum as much as I can, as because I feel like people are kind of forgetting about him. But I mean, golf could not be set up better with guys like Day, Fowler, Rory, Spieth. It's it's incredible. It uh, really is. All right. I hate that we even have to talk about this topic. We'll get to the PJ Championship in a second, but Rory, or I'm sorry, Ricky, the high tops and the joggers, yay or nay? Love them. Ah. I'll tell you why, because I think we might be the same on this. I don't, I mean, I don't love it. Like, I don't, it's, I think it's interesting. Um, the reason that I'm into it, and it's, it's good that it's Ricky doing it, because this is his thing. Fashion is his thing. Yeah. He dressed like, an orange highlighter for the first couple of years. People loved it. The kids went crazy for it. So if it's anybody else, I might be inclined to like call them like, what are you doing? Like you're an asshole. But with Ricky, it's good because I think injecting youth into the game of golf is far from the worst thing you can do. Ricky, I, I, I think I could be wrong, but I think that he is the most popular golfer, American golfer amongst young kids. Like I yeah. almost think there's no doubt about it. Yeah. So I think all these announcers kind of being like, Oh, you know, shaking their head at it. I think that's kind of just kind of old guys doing old guy things. I think this is a good thing. I'm not, I like, I don't, again, I don't love the look, although I kind of do. <laughs> I love the idea of it. I think getting, uh, steering golf in a younger direction and to a younger fan base is a great idea. That I can get behind. I can get behind that. I'm, you know, I said this on Twitter. I'm fine with the high tops. I don't think it looks great, but I don't have a problem with that. People had problems when golfers, you know, went to the tennis shoe look or whatever, and I love that look. I think it's a great look. It's comfortable. Uh, I don't understand the purpose of high tops from a functionality standpoint, but, again, I'll let that slide. But, man, the joggers, they look like sweatpants out there. I know you love sweatpants, Trent. Come on. <laughs> it, just, it just does not look good. I'm not – I'm 29. I'm not a curmudgeon. I'm not the old – like, I'm a few years older than Ricky. You just won't see me out there with elastic waistband, elastic bands on my pants. You need the joggers serve a purpose in terms of fashion because he was with the joggers and the high tops. Right. You can see the high tops better. You don't cover that up. Yeah. And Ricky even said in the post-round interview with this at this last tournament where he's like, they're like, why are you wearing what you're wearing now? And he's like, oh, I wear joggers all the time. They're comfortable. But he said they're sweatpants. He's like, I figured I would just take it to the course. And that's exactly what he did. He caused, I thought it, it, that whole narrative of him wearing sweatpants and joggers Almost overshadowed the entire tournament. I know it did. Uh, it, I, that's why I hate even asking you about it. But I feel like uh, I, I feel like such an old old hag even taking this take because I I hate when I'm dis when I'm agreeing with like the old announcers on TV. But I don't know part of golf to me is like looking fresh, looking sharp. Uh, but I'm also a proponent of the white belt, and people seem to hate the white belt now. So maybe I'm not the best fashion guy to be asking. Me about this, I think. Well, I think you just got to keep the bigger picture in. And it's Ricky, which yeah. is good. This is his thing. And it's just, we're trying to steer it a little bit towards the younger generation because golf is obviously yeah. like a, an old person. Game. Yeah, and I'm all for it. I'm all for bringing the young people into the game. I just, maybe this does resonate with them, but, you know, I don't care enough about it to talk about it as much as I already have. So we'll move on from that. But, all right, before I want to ask you about one particular person, I need your pick for the PGA Championship at Baltusrol this year. Phil won there in 05. He did, last time the PGA Championship was there. If you pick the um, same guy as, as I did, I'm just, people are going to think we bring this. Okay. Again, keeping the theme of, I, I'm not sure this guy's going to win this particular tournament, but this feels, again, sort of like DJ kind of do. Ricky feels do. Okay. 
Was is that five? not your pick? No, it's not my pick. We did not go four for four. So, um, my, big, you know who my pick is. the big one out of the way. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Diddy. People thought he was overrated, which was complete bullshit. Yeah. That's, a, that's another thing with Ricky, is the first couple of years, mm-hmm. why some people were so turned off by wearing orange or wearing the bright colors is because there's no substance. Right. There's no winning behind it. Like, you don't want to be the guy who wears crazy outfits and doesn't make cuts. Right. So Ricky's no longer that guy. That's why he kind of kind of do what he wants. But uh, he won the players, won a couple others. This, I think this is his next step up. He's in, what was it, last year or two years ago when he finished in the top five at all majors? Two years ago, yeah, 2014. Okay. Yeah. No, I, 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 don't get me wrong about what I said about the Jaguars. I'm a big Ricky fan. I've been a Pagano fan for a very long time. Uh, I didn't pick him to win the PGA, but I could easily be convinced for him when he made it this year. But, um, I think, you know, it's pretty, it's not a very hot take. It's pretty easy take in that um, people just were kind of critical that the flash of the look wasn't quite matching the win total yet, which again, it's just like, you can't judge somebody on that before they turn 26. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, he came out so young. He came out, he was 20 years old and he came on PGA Tour. Got to give these guys time. They never do. Um, it's nice to see him match his star power to his actual We're so game. spoiled now with guys like Roy and Smith who are winning these, these majors and before they hit their mid-20s. It's ridiculous. Like Some of these amateurs are out there like, hey, this guy's playing pretty well. He might make the cut this week. And it's like, now flash over to Jordan Spieth, who's younger than this amateur that's yeah. in the field. Like, it's, it's, it, if people get on, you know, it gets beaten to death as well how, how young Spieth is. But uh, you can't lose sight of that. These guys, I forget, and I've lost track of his college years, but I think he's like still supposed to be like maybe just a few months out of college, right? Six, eight months yeah. out of college. He left, he left Texas as a sophomore, I think he, I think he left after one year. Yeah, he, left, he did uh, one and done. Number, so, number one pick in the draft. So, he, so yeah, like guys like Rory and Smith have completely messed up the curve for yeah. a guy who, other like Ricky, who otherwise people would be like, this is great. You yeah. the players. He's got a couple other ones under his belt. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, all right. I went with the PGA Championship again. Kind of put the motive. I think he's going to win one this year, and I have to be bold. Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka had to do it. Now No? no? You're not on? That's that's such a that's such a you that's a you pick, yeah, for sure. It is. I picked my picks were all hot take picks. That's what I I can already hear people saying it. I picked Rory, <laughs> I picked DJ, I picked Ricky. At least Kepka, at least he got some balls picking Kepka. Yeah, I'm gonna pick like the sixteenth ranked player of the world is the lowest ranked player that I picked to win a major this year. <laughs> glad you said that about the Nike gear because I think he looks so fresh in, in the gear and I, I he looks so athletic and I, I, maybe he got in, in a little bit even better shape between the last, last time I saw him at the end of the year he just looked like an absolute athlete out there and he, he looked like he was swinging even faster and I was expect I'm still kind of expecting some growing pains with the new equipment but for him to finish third in the first event oh. of the year was like whoa all right maybe yeah. maybe uh maybe I shouldn't take him lightly he's a, he's a, he's one of the few guys and it might be might be the only other one where, and I wrote this earlier this week, that you feel, I feel like you can put them on a basketball court, you put them on a, on a baseball diamond, and they would be fine. They could, they're just athletes, and yeah. that's, what, that's what Brooks reminds me of. Yeah. He's an athlete. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I still think his game is a. It sounds weird, again. I think he's top fifteen or whatever in the world. I still think his game is a bit raw in that he still just has some of the. He makes like a lot more mistakes than a guy like Speed or Rory is going to make. Which you're going to have that, but if he if he grows out of that phase, I think he always tends to make a big number. He throws up a quad when he when he can at least afford to, or just hit that one shot. And people love reminding of me of it whenever he does hit that shot. You, but, I mean, you've been carrying that flag, so you got to take those tweets. I'll take it, but it's like people were getting on me. I mean, bogeyed the first two holes Sunday. It's like, well, wait a second here. Like, he could be in 20th place and off, not even on the broadcast. Nobody would be saying anything to me right now. You should be, honestly, you should be happy you're getting those tweets because that yeah. means he's playing well enough. That's 63 on Saturday was something else. I, I missed most of it. I, I, I was well, out. Because I was, I guess, Saturday night for me, like these Hawaii tournaments are terrible for me. So I come home, I had, had a few beers, and I, I came up with these tweets, and it was like, kept just birdied six in a row, and I, I missed the whole damn thing. I watched so much of that tournament this weekend, missed the cup. Where do you live? What planet do you live on? I live in the Netherlands. I live in Holland, in Amsterdam. Okay. So, yeah, we're, we're, calling, we're calling across seven time zones here. That was great for, that tournament was great for, for me, I'm central time zone. That's like prime time golf. Yeah. He was running from like 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. It was great. Being a sports fan in Holland is not the best. That depends. Golf, sometimes it works out really well, but some of these tournaments I just can't do. The West Coasters and, uh, and the Hawaii ones I can't do. Basically, any night football, basketball, anything I miss. So I got to so do what time is it? What time is it there right now? It's 9.40 p.m. right now, so 2.40 p.m. for you. Wow. Um, but I'm a big West Virginia fan. West Virginia plays Kansas tonight. 1 a.m. 1 a.m. tip here, so I'm gonna oh I'm gonna nap a little bit when we're done here, and then set the alarm. And uh, were you living there at the last Ryder Cup? No, I moved the week like the two days after the Ryder Cup, basically. So, I was gonna say that would have been perfect because that sucked for me watching that. I, yeah, that was brutal. They, they start teeing off at 2 a.m. Yeah, that was brutal. Actually, I, I, it actually helped me get on the European like sleep schedule right before I moved there. I, I think I moved. <laughs> yeah, I moved September 30th, and it ended the weekend before that. Um. All right. I think I think we've done well with golf because I'm just dying, absolutely itching at the at the seams to talk making a murderer. Um, if anyone that hasn't seen making a murderer yet, I I, I want to get your opinion on this up first. I don't feel like it's that bad of a spoilery show, right? Like you could listen to this and then still go back and watch it and be fascinated by it. Do you agree? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter, like, when can we start tweeting about it? When can we start talking about it? But it's like, you just get bits and pieces. Like, you can't explain, especially a show like this, in a couple of tweets. You can't spoil it, unless you're like, you say, how it all ends up like the last episode or something. But just talking about things here and there, I know, I don't think it's a spoiler show like that. Well, if if you want to watch the show first, then come back and listen to this moment. Please go ahead. But I'll start now, and with spoilers, and saying, you know what it's going to be at the end. I mean, you know, they're not putting that whole trial together for him to be to be not guilty, right? And the, the documentary doesn't get made if he's not guilty, right? I think it still might get made. I, most of the way through, I was still wondering what the verdict was going to be for, for Stephen Avery. I really was. Well, and the main thing for me is that is his defense team was incredible. They yeah. are superstars. Dean Strang and... Uh, Jerry Buting. Jerry Buting. I've got, I've got, their, I've got them on speed dial. I'm trying. I'm, like, ready to commit a crime just so I can have those guys defend me. <laughs> so, so you went into it, I guess, or at least while you were watching it, you thought you, you knew he was going to be guilty at the end. Well, 
I'd just seen enough about it, and um, I saw a few headlines that, yeah, you're, as you're watching, you're like, there's no possible way he could be guilty. Um, but you, you, I saw a couple headlines, and I, maybe I just in, in sublim, subliminally knew that he was going to be convicted and was like, that they're reopening the case in some way or something like that. Okay. Um, you just, I don't know, you, you uh, unless, I feel like we would have heard about it if he wouldn't have been guilty, and like, because like the, the Police department would have had to be prosecuted, basically, for framing and committing fraud, sure. basically. So That's I feel like story. that would have been a bigger story than him getting convicted. Um, right, it's, so, it's, it's one of those things where, like, talking about if you if we had heard about it, which you're right about that, if a police department gets charged with something like that, it's probably going to be national news. But, like, the serial thing, it's, it, I guess to me, and the scary part, the big picture of the whole thing is how many cases are out there like this? I know. That's, that's the... Uh, I, I have been perusing the Reddit, the Making a Murderer Reddit board for the past like week plus, man. And like somebody made a great post and just said, like, look, he's one of the lucky ones. Like, he had great representation. Like, how many times does this happen where, like, it, it just sounds, I don't know, inherently you want to believe that the people in charge there are not abusing power. But as you just watch this clip after clip, you just realize the power keeps building on top of each other and you're like, there's not a level you can go to to trust anything. Even like when they bring right. the FBI in, you're like, whatever the FBI did was shady as hell. Like, how, how, how high up can this possibly go? And obviously the documentary is saying yeah, they want you to think he got framed. Yeah. But it's not a, leap, a big intellectual leap to think, okay, so this guy was wrongfully accused of a rape, spent 18 years of his life in prison, gets out, is trying to get $36 million. He's suing the county sheriffs, it's not an intellectual leap to think that, all right, let's pin something on this guy so we, so everything, the whole lawsuit goes away and we don't look like fools. It's, that's a scary thing. Yeah, so I'm going to, I'm just going to read this, read this post that I read on Reddit today. Um, it's called Steve Avery, Schrodinger's criminal, simultaneously a mastermind and idiot. I don't know who Schrodinger is, but anyways, I, I probably won't read this whole thing, but it says, all right, this is his genius, apparently. Abducts woman in broad daylight without anyone seeing. Abducts woman who was known to be going to his property. So it's like comparison, comparing like the mastermind and an idiot thing of, of him. Blinds and rapes woman in privacy of own home. Idiot side. Invites young nephew to join. Cleans up rape and kill area to a spotless degree. Leaves completely visible drops of blood in woman's car. Again, none of this stuff is like making it does not go together. Hides woman's vehicle on lock covered in debris. Doesn't use crusher to destroy it and all the evidence inside. <laughs> that's, what, that's that's one of the main things for me. The guy the guy had opening a salvage yard and having a car crusher and he's just like, oh no, I'll park it near the entrance and cover it with a couple of dry like boards. Like that. What is like the biggest piece of evidence for you that makes you think he's guilty? Like you're like, ooh, we need an explanation on that. Like you, you haven't gotten me quite there yet. Yeah. For me, I, I think like everyone finished watching the documentary, upset, 
he can't possibly be guilty. Go to read stuff about it. You see this article, nine things they left out of the documentary. You read it, blah, blah, blah. Until you realize the source of this information was Ken Kratz, the prosecutor. He was the one that came up with this information. And so uh, Dean Strang actually made a video or something responding to each of these things he said and just tears them right back down. So I went from like not guilty at all to reading it to be like, oh, this guy did it. This documentary is shit. And then coming to coming right back to even being even more confident that he did not do this. This does not make sense. Anything anything Ken Kratz says, I just want to kill him. I hate that guy. Kaczynski, uh, Sheriff Colburn, James Link, all these guys just drive me nuts. The big, I mean, okay, so here's the question. Do you, you, do you think he did it or not? I do not think he did it. Do you? I don't think he did it either. I, it doesn't, he, the motive is not even close to being there. I don't understand it. Like for his, is it, the only thing that they could possibly come up with that is that of sexual desire, joy, whatever. He tells his whole family she's coming there that day. Okay, it's broad daylight, and supposedly he's just gonna rape her, kill her, burn her there, then spread her bones in different places, and the wife completely. Where did he kill her? Where did he kill her? They can't possibly explain that. Right, that's the thing. Where that's where Brennan Dassey's testimony makes no sense. He says that they had her on the bed, tied her up, slit her throat. There's no blood, no DNA, nothing. nothing. Her finger, nothing, nothing not an ounce of DNA. Nothing in the nothing in the bedroom. Nothing in the. Um, the garage, except a potentially planted bullet that they didn't find until like the fourth time, and the Manitowoc guys found it. So it's yeah, it's and then another thing for me, there's oh, there's so many, but the blood in the back of her Rav Four that's like from her yeah. hair. Why would he transport the body from his garage or trailer to a burn pit that's twenty feet away? You know what? Um, one of the best things, not best things, the biggest like. The document doesn't go into too much as to who they think the other candidates could be, but the two most suspicious guys to me are Scott Tadich, whatever Tadich, and Bobby Dassey, the only two guys that can verify each other's alibi. What the the documentary doesn't say is after this incident, Bobby Dassey had unexplained scratches on his back that he claimed were from a puppy. Okay. Yeah, like what puppy scratch? I don't know what the scratches look like, but it's like, that sounds like something I might want to investigate a little bit more. And this and that what you just said is one of the things that they did sort of not the scratches, but they talked about during the trial was the judge or I don't know how it all works. They wouldn't let and this was a big flaw. They they wouldn't let the defense bring up other potential culprits of the crime. Right. So as soon as they wanted to maybe if Strang and Gooding wanted to go down that road, it got shut down. That's that's not fair. You can't be accusing a guy of murder and not let the defense team say, if it's we don't think it's him, we think it's this person. Right. And it's they're almost like doing the prosecution's work for them. Like, this should have been thought of and investigated as well. Like, it, the prosecution should have at least been able to say how they've ruled a certain person out. There should be documentation as to how they've not, they've not included, but they, you know, have, have, have effectively, I don't know what the word is, eliminated the, a, a person um, from being a suspect. But there's no, there's none of that. They didn't even try. And then there's the her ex-boyfriend who's deleting voicemails and guessing her password. Oh, man. If, I read a great theory on that, and I don't have it in front of me. I can't repeat it, so I can't re- really read it back. But um, something about – somebody tied that all in together. I'll, maybe I'll try – if I find it, I'll link to it in the This is the thing with – because I went down the same Reddit wormhole that you did. And I might have seen I you down there. I a pretty good thought about it, about how I felt about the documentary after just watching it. And then you read 50 theories – 
and you kind of get all confused. By yeah. the end of it, I still don't, I don't think he did it. That would be my main stance. But they definitely didn't have enough to uh, convict him. If I, I would say that if I wanted to hedge, I would say maybe he did it, but they didn't have enough to convict. Yeah. And they definitely, the Manitowoc sheriff, I hope I'm saying that right, definitely stacked the deck against him. If he had done, if he did it, then they definitely just wanted to get a conviction. So they planted the bullet. They planted, they syringed the blood out of the vial. That's, it's just. Yeah, the, the blood thing doesn't, I can mix things I read about, I guess, whether or not you, they do put a needle in the top of those tubes. Because a lot of people online saying that is normal. However, in the documentary, Jerry Buting says, we talked to a technician here and they don't do that here. So I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about the blood. I, but somebody also on Reddit, um, I don't know if you saw this, put blood on a Q-tip and then like put it on their car, like just like in that same area. Like yeah. and it looks exactly like the blood looks exactly like it does in the documentary. Like it would oh. have been applied by a Q-tip. Like, oh man. Oh, and then there's the, then there, yeah, I don't, the blood thing, I'm not sure. Cause I've read the same things that you have where different company, different lab companies do things differently. But then there's also her, her key in his bedroom, which they didn't, it's like a small bedroom that after, you know, they went through it a couple of times. The fourth time, they found a single key out in the open. Same guy, no. James Link, found it. Like it, it's it. I mean, there's ah, there's no question he was framed. There's no there's zero question about that. If you ask me, I mean, the bullet makes absolutely no sense. Found that in the garage six months later, whatever on the 18th search or whatever that was. Yep, and no splatter like a gunshot splatter. He, he's flawlessly cleaned only her blood out of that garage yet. There was still deer blood in there somehow. Uh, yeah. His DNA was still all over the place, but none of her DNA, or I don't know if Brennan's DNA, I'm sure Brennan's DNA would have been in there. But, um, yeah. well, like, I think they said if you like if you bleach down a complete area, like then you're not going to find any DNA. Like it's, everybody's DNA is gone. For him just to clean up Teresa's DNA is... And no blood, not, no blood to go in the concrete at all. And we're not dealing with like Dexter criminals. No. We're dealing with Stephen Avery, who they say has like, a 70 IQ, and Brendan Dassey, who I just feel horrible for, who's getting manipulated by these these investigators. That that that's, that one that makes even less sense to me. I, I was, I guess I, I should go back, and I, I acted like I knew he was going to be guilty all the time. I was still like, when Avery was guilty, I was damaged. Like, it, it just sunk me. But when the Dassey thing came up, I was like, he's probably guilty too now. Like, everything's corrupt here. But I, and, and I went back and actually rewatched the Dassey trial episode. What do they have on him? That might be even more ridiculous. That, that conviction might be even more ridiculous. All they have is his initial confession. He's changed his story 18 times. He has no idea what to say. He doesn't know what the word inconsistent means. He thinks he's, he thinks he's guessing on his homework. That's the, that's his logic in his head. He even said, I don't know what I was yeah. guessing like I do on my homework. Like, No, Brendan Dassey should not be in prison. I mean, Steve and Avery, still probably not. Definitely not Brendan Dassey. When you got a kid who interview for four hours and he admits to this horrible horrible crime of raping and murdering Teresa Albach and then once it's all over says am I going to get to go back to school because I have to present a project sixth hour you're not dealing with a person who can fully understand what's happening to them no not at all but you just confessed to that and I, again the documentary is going to be it's pretty one-sided I'll be honest but I'm fine I'm fine with the way they presented it I think it's, it's I think it's pretty accurate from what I can tell but Avery, again, we're not talking about a mastermind criminal. We're talking about a guy with an IQ around 70, so they say. Never once ever seems to slip even slightly to implicate himself. 
there's not like, and again, it's hard to tell when somebody's lying or not, but if you just listen to the the interview, he's like, well, I didn't do it. I mean, it doesn't sound like a guy who's lying to cover anything up. It just, right. it, uh, it just, and a big part, like for a guy to not break, like eventually I feel like somebody, if you're guilty, maybe not, maybe yeah. not, but you're going to break. Like if you're in there for, for amount of time, but like all of his phone conversations, everybody that calls in, he's like, I didn't do it. I don't know if I, because they say early on, like, if I was guilty, I would say it. Yeah. I would tell people. Yeah. But it's like, he's not. That, that's a big thing for me, sticking by his guns. Yeah. He's had to make a 36 million. Or, he wasn't going to get 36 million. He's had to make multi-millions. Why would he screw that up over, over one girl? I just done that up. And even, you talk to Bob, uh, Bobby Dassey and Scott Adich or whatever, their timelines are really messed up. because They don't match with the bus driver and as well the propane tank guy. We both say that they saw her there after 3.30, yet, um, I don't remember the specifics of the Cassie, Cassie claimed to be gone by by 2.45 or something like that. Uh, so the timeline doesn't work. Then we haven't even talked about the jury. Have you been reading all the stuff about the jurors? I saw, I saw, I think, Good Morning America, one jury came, one juror came out and flipped. They said that we think he was innocent. Yeah, one, so one juror got excused, and the details around him getting excused right before the, um, deliberation are really shady. His daughter got in a car accident and like somebody slammed on their brakes and like tried to turn right on, in front of her or something. She got, she rear ended them. The cops showed up within two minutes without anybody calling nine one one. And he got excused. The reason why he got excused was a death in the family, which right. wasn't even true. It was just his daughter was in a car accident. And he was excused for that. So the, he even like, he's interviewed in the documentary the same guy and he's like he was like he would not not have let it happen he would have been saying not guilty he doesn't it doesn't add up to him like how do you go into that room three people saying they were guilty and uh, and then end up walking out with twelve people saying he was guilty yeah didn't, yeah didn't strange say that they went in and it was yeah. like majority that they thought he was not guilty yeah it's there's so many layers to it and I just you don't know where to start and it's so frustrating and again the big thing is how often does this happen. sense and, I'm, and everyone's racking their brains and reddit's working really hard this is the nerdiest conversation i've ever had by the way i love it but i love it but reddit is like working and people on reddit work so hard at trying to figure this stuff out like looking at satellite images and whatnot but yeah. there's a whole element that we can't if you believe what i believe and i think you and i believe the same thing and that she was murdered somewhere else not on the property and it doesn't look like that was ever investigated there's this whole in, part of information that we don't fully have like if she was killed somewhere near the quarry and then moved to where she moved to the Avery property, that's why we can't piece it all together yet because that was never investigated. They tunneled in on Stephen Avery. Right. And, yeah. uh, and the frustrating thing, another frustrating thing is that, and Ken Kratz and them, they hammered this home, is that you have to take a leap of that authority figures are corrupt and they can be corrupt and police officers can be corrupt and people... I get it. Like people don't want to think that they don't want to believe that in their heads. And that's a real barrier. I, I yeah. would imagine for a lot of the jurors. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it laid out of the documentary. I'm sure the most corrupt looking moment made in the documentary. When you span that all out over six weeks, maybe the effect of that was a lot less on the jurors than it maybe should have been, or maybe than it was on us. So I, I totally, I totally get that, but oh, it just, it just, but, but anyway, so news broke today. I don't know if you saw this, that uh, Stephen Avery's court records from yesterday, January 11th, 
there's a motion for bond and new exhibits were filed. What does that mean? I don't know. He's got a fancy new attorney named Kathleen Zellner, who okay. has, um, she's uh, freed 17 innocent men from prison already. And she is boldly claiming that this is, that this is, I'm paraphrasing that this is a done deal that she's going to get him out of prison. Beautiful. So this, this is the sort of thing I don't, did you listen to serial season one? I did. Yes. I, I think this, I think serial season one actually spawned making a murder or something, something, I don't know. Maybe that's not right, but yeah, like this, you see what happens with that. Adnan's getting a new trial. Yep. I think maybe uh, Stephen Avery will get out. That'd be, that'd be something. You know what this is going to create though, is just like, 15 different copycats of trying to follow this and they're all going to be terrible. They're all going to rush them out. Like no one could have predicted the success of this series and it's going to, it's going to spark a wave. Serial two is going through Serial season two is going through that right now. Nobody is near as interested in the, in the Bo Bergdahl story. Not that it's not a good story. Yeah. Not that whatever, but it's, yeah, you can't, you're not, you don't know what's going to grab everybody's attention in something like this. And this, this definitely has, this is all I did over. We have a little bit of a break between Christmas and, and the new year, yeah. and I was just making a murder. That's what I did. I did it all in two days, and I'm proud of that. I'm, I wear that as a, as a ribbon of my accomplishment. <laughs> I made myself an award that hangs on my wall. Two days. <laughs> two days. All right. Well, we've solved everything in the golf world. We have solved a crime in Manitowoc County in Wisconsin. Uh, I don't think I've got anything else left in the tank. It's mostly you, my friend. No, I think I'm good. I think I got all of it out. All right. Uh, for those still listening, you can follow Trent on Twitter at Barstool Trent. You should be doing that already. Uh, we will be catching up with you, of course, throughout the year. And I can't thank you enough for uh, take, giving us an hour of your time, man. It was, it was a good time. No, this was fun. Thanks for having me yeah, on. We'll have to be uh, emailing back and forth on uh, more making murder stuff because I'm still not done. That tank's not empty. So. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.